When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here Talking to Jordan Coe, our good friend uh, and regular on the show, it seems like, for the last week or so. How you doing? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you're getting sick of me, Ken, but I appreciate you having me on. It's exciting time of year. Thrill, thrilled to have you. And, you know, a lot of these topics are right up your your uh, your alley. Good stuff. Roster building. Lots of fun. Uh, today, we're reporting on the practice squad. So, yesterday, we talked about cuts uh, with Kyle Barber today about the practice squad and they're currently by the 6 p.m. NFL communications are now 14 names on for the Ravens. I'm going to give you the first one first because it's a new one to me. Devin Gray, the receiver got added. In addition to that, uh, Trace McSorley, uh, Jalen Moore, Benjamin Victor, Tony Poljan, the tight end, Adrian Ealy, the name that'll make us sick and no doubt uh, occupy some discussion. Andre Smith, an offensive tackle here. Uh, Chris Smith, the outside linebacker, Blake Gallagher, an inside linebacker from Northwestern. He wasn't on the team during the, during the preseason, Justin Ellis, Anthony Levine, Jordan Richards, Jake Verity, Johnny Townsend, a couple of special teamers. And that is it for right now. There have been rumors that Josh Bynes might also be added to that list. Jordan, why don't we just pick names alternately off this list and we'll kind of talk through it a little bit in terms of why does it make sense to us, et cetera. Yeah, I'll take Jordan Richards first. That one surprised me. Um, I, I thought 
you know, I thought, well, the chances are that the Ravens cut him early to give him a chance to sign with somebody else with a deal that he would probably be back on the practice squad if he got the opportunity. And I guess special teams are not as valued as they might be around the league. I mean, I think it's good news for the Ravens that nobody tried to poach him to kind of pick up the playbook or learn anything about the Ravens special teams package. But um, for a veteran spot on the practice squad, I was a little surprised to, to see his name there. Yeah, I guess it's not too hard to imagine that if Levine and Richards are not active for week one, that both of them could be activated for game day. Give them a couple extra special teamers to play, and uh, and that would be a very uh, good combination, assuming you could find the inactives, the appropriate inactives from the rest of the group. And it may be that they have some injured guys who didn't get put on the three-week IR, at least yet, um, who may exactly fill that, that uh, requirement to be inactive. Yeah, well, and I think Justice Hill, um, you know, to go back to the J.K. Dobbins injury, which I think we're all still still a little a little bummed about. Um, you know, Justice Hill's role as a gunner um, in kickoff packages um, in both directions, I think, is is probably going to be a factor for neither of these guys being activated, but also some comfortability for the Ravens. Hopefully, um, in terms of special teams, along with Welsh, really establishes kind of two guys that I I didn't think were going to be on that initial fifty three that are um, that that. Really, I think their main values are going to be special teams. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's uh, that's how it looks to me. Uh, I'm going to take another name on this list and go with, uh, well, let's talk about Andre Smith because he's kind of the elephant in the room mm-hmm. here, a guy who honestly has not shown anything. Last year, of course, opted out. This year, uh, back again, uh, came to camp. Uh, looked terrible in camp, looked even worse in the preseason games, I would say. I I thought a retirement was coming. I thought that was the next step for him because clearly the Ravens do not want him in a tackle during game. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I wonder if there are like some agreements as as it relates to all the veterans kind of across the board here um, and why we saw them kind of fill all their veteran spots first immediately, potentially, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Andres, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem to make any sense to me. I would almost take like pick a tackle off any other practice squad, (laughs) Um, like blindly pick a tackle off any other practice squad over Andre Smith at this point. I, I, you know, the cap savings is not significant, but $120,000 against the cap is $120,000 against the cap. Um, you know, versus a veteran versus, uh, you know, a, a younger player. And so uh, this was one that really just made me scratch my head and think that, you know, this is also part of why I think the Ravens are a team that are known for doing good business. I think that mm-hmm. they're a team that traded Orlando Brown when a lot of teams wouldn't have. Um, they needed that depth of tackle. They needed the quality. Orlando Brown was a very good player on a very affordable deal, but he asked to be traded and the Ravens are that kind of team. So they're the kind of team that resigns their vets. They're the kind of team that puts the vets on the practice squad first. I think that helps them sign other guys down the road when they need to and bring guys in. And maybe maybe that's a little bit of what's happening here. Yeah, it's a little bit of – do you think Andre Smith needs the two hundred and forty grand or whatever he gets as a veteran playing on this? Because I can't imagine that after the millions he's made playing this game. But you never know, I guess. You know, are you going to turn down $240,000 tomorrow, Ken? <laughs> I don't know. He could be wasting his time playing video poker. You really never know. So if he, if, uh, we, we really have no idea if he's if he's blowing his money somehow. Uh, okay, let's talk about other players. Pick, pick another one here. Andre Smith, I think we've talked enough about. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about Anthony Levine. I think that, you know, when you're talking about guys that have a good shot of being called up, he's an interesting one. I think that the Raiders are probably not the right matchup that I'd say, oh, the, the Ravens want Anthony Levine. But 
I could see a team like the Kansas City Chiefs um, or other teams that go kind of more wide in terms of their packages, wide receivers in terms of what they're putting on the field, spreading teams out, wanting to have recognition from a safety or a veteran out of that group. Um, and so I think it's probably unlikely that we see him in week one, but I think that as long as he's not scooped up, I imagine a, he's a protected guy these first couple weeks. Um, and B that I think he'll be active for the Kansas city game. Um, you know, if the Ravens feel like they need that presence and they need that extra guy out there, that's, that's not going to be overwhelmed by the moment and has a little bit of history there. We talked a little bit about this on the roster show that Levine could be a guy who is back not necessarily in week one on a wink-wink deal, but in week two, week three, week four, after he's used up two, uh, you know, courtesy elevations uh, from the practice squad, assuming they don't need those for other players, by the way, because, you know, they've got some some depth here on the practice squad they might want to dip into, particularly that wide receiver is my other thought, uh, that they may actually, uh, you know, wait a, a while to bring him back. And when they do, you know, it, it, the, the trust in the organization is great. Also, Levine is not the most hotly contested commodity at this point in his career. He's thought to be primarily just a special teams player. I think we saw enough, at least from my point of view, in the Washington game and the previous game of him back at playing dime that looked pretty good that I think he could be a player there. But to your point, I think he's about the ninth guy the Ravens would want on in their seven DB package right now, given all the talent they have in the back end. I'm serious about that. They have all four of their safeties. I think you could put on the field three corners easily, and you could also put four corners and three safeties if you wanted to do that before you'd even have Levine. Yeah, I mean the the Ravens do have a depth of riches, you know, at, at the corner position or the whole the whole DB team section. I think the only concern that at this part of the season would be just guys that are not ready, overwhelmed, don't know the packages, just aren't aren't quite there. You know, Geno Stone should be there because he was around last year, knew the playbook, coming back, et cetera. But, you know, for our Darius Washington, you know, I think Westry's a lock to be inactive almost every given week. But for some of these guys to be able to be kind of sub-in guys, you know, I, I wonder whether or not they trust them or whether or not, you know, where the comfortability might be. So that's the only reason why I think he might be kind of a little more likely to be activated for the Kansas City game, being an elevation off the practice squad, not a full-term signing to the 53. Yeah. And so, you know, unfortunately, in an FL season, there's a lot of attrition and things tend to work themselves out through a combination of poor play and injuries. And the Ravens have effectively set themselves up here to have either a 50, sorry, a 56 or a 55 man roster and not just a 53 man roster by starting the year with a couple of guys that are on IR. Uh, you know, that, they can actually increase that over time with a with a deep practice squad and additional guys going to IR. So it, it is a it, they're in an interesting position and looking at the moves around the league. Um, I don't think there's as much of that going on in terms of IR It's a fairly limited set of such transactions to start the year. Yeah, well, we haven't seen the Ravens. The Ravens haven't kind of completely finalized theirs yet either. Right. Jimmy Smith is still on the roster at this particular moment, I believe. Yeah, I, I don't think they know yet. I think they're going to wait until closer to opening day to kind of decide who goes on for three weeks. And and they have some guys in the practice squad and some guys they're probably winking with right now that they're, they're telling you, you're going to be back at some point. It's just a matter of when. Justin Ellis, I can't believe they're not going to bring back him because they don't have another backup nose. I mean, you know, he's he's got to be playing for the Ravens this year. Otherwise, you know, the Ravens will be dipping into street-level talent to try and replace him. 
Yeah, and that's got to be the you know if we're talking about Jelly, that's got to be the agreement with him. It's like you know we're we're good. Well, the moment that we need you, you know, and, and maybe you know that's the nice thing. Once it's past week two, you know, if it, if it's not for the Raiders game, um, it's non guaranteed. One, whenever they bring them back for that, whatever that is. So you know, the deal is whenever we bring you back, we're going to bring you back. You know, we're not going to maybe it's mm-hmm. we're not going to elevate you from the practice squad for two games. Um, we're going to agree that if if we bring you up, we're going to put you right on the fifty three. Mm-hmm. And it could be even that they guarantee him eight games of pay or something if they bring him up, uh, you know, and have that kind of a contract uh, ready to go. I don't know if they can have that kind of deal, by the way, ready to go at this point when he's on the practice squad. You might be you know, prohibited from making that kind of arrangement. But, uh, but anyway, interesting, interesting possibility. Let's keep going. I, uh, maybe another player, your turn, I think. Um, yeah, you know, so I'll, I'll say Jalen Moore here, um, and kind of the wide receivers. I think, you know, he's been a guy that they always talk about at camp always seems to be better than what we expected. Never seems to get an opportunity. So he, you know, he's a guy that intrigues me as, you know, is he going to get an opportunity, especially now that we've seen Boykin and Bateman both head to the IR? Um, you know, he, I think in preseason games, he's been part of the special teams package as well. So there's some potential value there. But at the end of the day, um, he's just an interesting guy to me because he's been around so long. He's basically been on the practice squad now. This will be his fourth year on the Ravens practice squad. Um, And it's interesting to see what they think of him or whether he's just kind of a body and they're just riding it out. That's fascinating. I did not know that. Four years on the Ravens practice squad. He is a a year one player. So that that means he's not a rookie. I mean, this isn't his first training camp here, but uh, but that's there's year one and there's year one. (laughs) So uh, let me go to the other guy that's uh, in the wide receiver group that I think a lot of people are interested in is Benjamin Victor after the big game he had against Washington. Uh, Kind of a skills challenge set of catches he made in that game. Tiptoe, high point on the sideline, a nice high point for the touchdown, contested, a couple of really good spatial awareness catches where he's right at the first down marker, leaned forward in both cases, which was good. In one case, he needed it. In the other case, he didn't, uh, but still still both good. Um, what else did he do? Yeah, took a helmet to helmet hit and held on. I mean, you know, it's a remarkable game for him. And if the Ravens are short of receivers and, the, and they have two X's that immediately in, in Boykin and Bateman went to IR for week one. If for some reason, Sammy Watkins is not able to go, it would not shock me if Benjamin Victor is elevated for that game. Yeah, that would be, you know, he was the impressive receiver kind of, especially as they kind of came on, he does have that skill set. He is an intriguing guy in terms of kind of being, having the capability of being the the X guy, um, which Mm -hmm. if Watkins doesn't play, the Ravens don't really have an active you know, won't, won't have someone to fill in within that role. And you had to like what you saw from his skill set. It's nice to see the Ravens having a guy that's a real project from the wide receiver per- perspective on the practice squad. I feel like it's been some time that we've seen somebody on the practice squad that we really thought had a chance. I think Tim White, maybe for a moment, we thought might have a chance. But other than that, none of these guys have ever stood out from a skill set perspective of saying, hey, maybe a year or two of development and this guy could, could do something down the down the road. Add to that that the Ravens, you know, even though they've got some depth at wide receiver, right? You've got Prochet and you've got Duvernay um, and Bateman who just came in. Watkins is on a one-year deal. Um, Boykin is, you know, got one more year here. One but mistake I, deal. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like his his days, I'll, I'll talk about him later. His days, I think, you know, are, are potentially limited. So there are potential spots for guys to grow into a role at wide receiver here. Um, obviously, Hollywood's a staple, so he's not going anywhere either, but you still have kind of that fourth, fifth receiver spot that could be filled. And so Victor is a really interesting guy from that perspective. 
Yeah, I, I uh, would agree on that. A guy that uh, that we'll see. Uh, there's a couple more names I want to hit on. Who else do you got that you want to go to next? Yeah, I mean, let's talk about Trace McSorley for a quick second. You know, I think it's it's I think it's a good thing that the Ravens were able to put him back in the fold. I think it's important to have somebody that understands the scheme and be able to. Um, you know, be able to pick up right where without having to kind of learn everything that that is in the playbook. I thought that when Huntley came in, for example, last year, a few different times, it seemed like they they had kind of walked back the playbook and it was limited in terms of what they were willing to do. Now, some of that might have been skill and not knowledge. Um, but if any of that, if any of that was related to knowledge, it's better off having someone that understands the complexity of whatever, you know, what we hear about Greg Roman's offense, which is that the line calls, the run calls, everything is complicated um, in terms of how it needs to be conveyed. So I think it's actually a big plus that McSorley made it to the practice squad. I don't think anybody was going to claim him or try and get him on their practice squad, um, but I think it's a win that he's back with us. Yeah, I agree. And and if he's uh, called upon, it would most likely be in a situation where Jackson misses a game, say, due to COVID or a minor injury that would, would hold him out. And uh, McSorley would go in as the backup, certainly, to Huntley after Huntley's remarkable I got, I, I, I'm not aware, thinking back, of any game nearly as great in the history of Ravens preseason quarterbacking as what Huntley just, just did for the Ravens. So, uh, uh, you know, I think he's clearly got, a, got the stranglehold on the job and certainly being a, a year one player certainly has that advantage. I don't want to talk about a player a lot of people are interested in, and there's not a lot of young guys, which is one of the surprising things about this. But Adrian Ely is, is one developmental player that is on the practice squad right here. And a guy that, that uh, I think a lot of people hope could be a right tackle for the Ravens some days. I don't think a left tackle. I don't think that's where he's uh, is likely to end up, but he was a real mauler when he came in at the very end of these last two preseason games. Yeah. Well, luckily left tackle isn't the area that the Ravens are needing to look to hopefully long-term. If, if the Ravens do need to look to left tackle long-term, we're all going to be in trouble. Um, so, so luckily, you know, he doesn't need to project in that regard and the Ravens need a project talent, you know, tackle from a development standpoint. So I I was really glad to see that he wasn't either poached onto a different practice squad. I think, I think he knows he's got an opportunity here, especially if there is some kind of injury along the offensive line that he might be, you know, have the opportunity to be kind of next man up. Um, so hopefully he continues to develop and the Ravens are able to get him into the system, but I was glad to see that he was still here. Yeah, it's nice that he gets to practice with the team this year, too. Uh, any other options where they would have tried to sneak him through waivers, get him to, to – I mean, I guess they would have been able to do it because nobody claimed him um, and then put him on IR. But if the, if they are uh, – anyway, they, 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 they don't have to risk losing him right away, but I do believe there's a short fuse on it, meaning that if, if this season got to about November, I'd be surprised given the dearth – of tackle talent and how that attrits out during the year. If, if he weren't poached by then, uh, you know, the replacement level looks a lot different that time of year than it does on September 1st. Right. And I, uh, Greg seen that wasn't, was he? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, another tackle that the Ravens had on the practice squad that eventually had to go elsewhere. Will Holden, I think is another name. Will Holden. Yeah. Yeah. So you're absolutely right that that the Ravens are going to have to be kind of careful about what they want to do with that. And maybe he does land on the IR at some point this first quarter of the season. Yeah. Got to watch out for the paper cuts. 
Chris Chris Smith, a seventh year player, an odd ball player to still have on the practice squad, but had a great preseason. Wow. Kick inside, play outside. Not a great defender against the run. At least I don't believe so. We didn't see him too much in that particular circumstance uh, because he played mostly on as a situational pass rush sub. But he, he looked really high motor in, in what I saw from him. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be at the top of the list of guys that the Ravens protect on their practice squad to, to not be poached in this first kind of iteration of the season. I think it's in an effort to one protect against injuries that you have at outside linebacker or poor play, whatever, whatever that might look like in terms of bringing him up. But I think you and I are both based on our last conversation, surprised that he is not on an active 53 man somewhere. A little, little bit surprised. I thought that maybe he might have been poached for that. Let me make a, clear, a clarifying point about protections. You can't actually protect a player for the entire week with one of your four protections. You can only protect him for like five and a half or six of the days of the week. And so it's not protection. It's kind of protection from an injury that might happen midweek on another team that they would they, they would poach him from you and disrupt your game planning. So uh, that is kind of what the what that gives you. Yet with McPhee, not yet signed back into the fold and I certainly expect that to happen. I wonder if Chris Smith isn't an extra piece of insurance in that regard as well. Yeah, it it is interesting that the other kind of some of these other wink wink deals have like what Tomlinson have gone through um, and McPhee has not gone through. um, And we did not see McPhee play, as you mentioned the last time we talked very much in the preseason. Um, And we you know, surmise that that's just kind of snap count protection, making sure that he stays fresh. He knows the system, you know, nothing to see here, but the longer he goes without re-signing and being back on the squad does make you wonder whether a, someone else is trying to poach him off the Ravens and he got a better offer than like a significantly better offer than what the Ravens were willing to give him, or maybe he's done and he physically, he doesn't feel like he's there and he wants to hang it up. Who knows? Oh, okay. I, I, I definitely wasn't thinking that. Uh, but a uh, couple special teams guys, Jake Verity, Johnny Townsend, uh, that I don't think deserve mention. I mean, they were there in the preseason. Frankly, I see them as filler players only. I don't think they're people you keep on the practice squad for any reason at all. Yeah, I'm surprised, frankly, that Townsend's on the practice squad. Yeah. You, I mean, either of them. You should be able to call up when you need them tomorrow for a game if you had an injury. I mean, I, I would not think it would be difficult. There is a rumor that uh, Josh Bynes is going to be brought onto this practice squad and uh, a little bit inside linebacker death. The guy they did sign, Blake Gallagher, was a Northwestern inside linebacker. Kind of limited size, not the ideal strength and length, but has some coverage ability, which is something the Ravens really lack uh, at inside linebacker. Yeah. Well, the Ravens are you know, justifiably hunting for inside linebacker depth. And I think Bynes is a great addition in that regard. I think he's a step slower than, you know, even what he was when he was last year. Um, But he knows the system. They know what they're going to get from him. Wink's familiar with him. I think all that has value. Yeah, he's a lot of veteran familiarity, even though never really thought of as a great pass defender. He, you can see a night and day between having a Wasso and him at, uh, at the mic. And, and how they each reacted to routes behind them. I mean, just Bynes has an instinctive ability to judge level two, level three, to read the quarterback better. Uh, he's he's primarily thought of as a run defender, but he's but he's really pretty good at understanding passing lanes as well. Yeah, his IQ is 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 pretty strong. Um, let's talk about some notable losses here because there were three guys that that I think a lot of people are are 
really kind of pissed off on about right now to various degrees. The first one, Nate McCrary was a, probably a little bit of a surprise that he was claimed by Denver. There were three running backs claimed. And Denver claimed McCrary, but they also lost another guy to New Orleans, which really gives you an idea of just how thin talent is that somebody else's running back is getting poached later, you know, in this in this domino process. Yeah, you know, I liked what we saw from McCrary in the preseason. His quickness and burst was a nice, pleasant surprise on tape during the preseason compared to everybody else that I, I feel like we kind of got to look at. I, I'm, I, I'm honestly surprised that Denver claimed him. I'm, uh, I'll be, I'll be intrigued to see if they try and slip him through to their practice squad later. Um, and if the Ravens are able to do something to kind of get him back onto their practice squad, if, if that's the kind of thing that happens. Um, but all in all, you know, I, I you know, running back depth isn't great. I think we've, we've heard and seen that the idea that, you know, you know, Alex Collins is, is getting meaningful snaps in, in Seattle and, you know, just some of the names that we hear out there, it does seem like there's a little bit less depth. On the other hand, Baltimore seems so phenomenal at finding talent at the running back level, both from the practice squad, undrafted free agents, take what you will. Um, it doesn't really, I, I'm not nearly as concerned about the McCrary loss as some other people kind of that were disappointed in it were. I don't think that, any, I think this one's the one that people probably are the least upset about, but for anyone that was worried, I kind of say, this is, this is the one where the Ravens know how to go find a guy. Right. I agree. I, th- I think that's true. The only thing that bothers me a little bit is I'm, I'm very particular about this. There's a, guy, a bunch of guys out there. The, the guy from Denver who got cut, who's a fourth year player, uh, Royce Freeman, uh-huh. uh, 4.0 yards per carry in an NFL career, 5.9, I believe, per target. It's not terrible. It's just not really exciting. I think he would be better in this office, offense, but here's the problem. It's not a move at all for the future, so it's all about now. Is that okay? Maybe because they've got Gus signed next year. They've got J.K. signed next year. We just got Tyson Williams, and he has a you know a full rookie deal still to play. But on the other hand, I think you should always be looking to try and get younger at running back and and find these players who are developmental in nature. And and I would have really liked it if I well, I will really like it if they can go out and find that guy who's got no credit years of NFL service yet. So in year one that they still get a, a full contract out of. I just think that that would be the ideal Raven way to, to fill this spot. But I also feel like in. Nobody, including the people that still wanted McCrary here, would have advocated for the Ravens to waive Justice Hill to keep Nate McCrary. Um, and to right me, now. right. So to me, that just says that there just wasn't space for him on this roster. It's unfortunate that he got claimed, but I don't think that there was, I don't think there was much to do. I don't think he was even the next guy up in terms of who was staying on the roster. He wasn't 54 um, in terms of where the cuts landed. And so it's unfortunate, but, you know, it's the price of doing business, it seems to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm actually a little surprised that Justice Hill was 53. Uh, Justice Hill is not a bad idea for the practice squad. But, you know, in a year like this, maybe he's the kind of guy who does get claimed somewhere. And, you know, it's the point has been made extensively on Twitter uh, today that the draft was so bad that there is there may be a dearth of young players. And it really kind of looks that way when you look at the Ravens practice squad. I mean, it's a bunch of older guys, not a bunch of young players, which – I think of as being a traditional practice squad. I don't think that's me thinking back to the 1970s about practice squads. I think it's 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 just a normal kind of way. 
Well, it's also the rule change. So you yeah. before you you actually you would literally weren't allowed to have these guys in your practice squad. The veterans, all the veterans that they signed wouldn't be allowed. And even some of you know they even expanded the rule pre-COVID to allow guys that had service time. It's, it wasn't as generous as it is, is as it is now, but they expanded that so pre, some service time was available. That, to go that's to the right. Practice. So, so Nate McCrary, uh, sorry, not Nate McCrary. I'm sorry, McSorley, who had, uh, you know, a, a, did not play eight games either year, is not used as a veteran. Otherwise, the Ravens would be right up against the limit of the total veterans allowed on their on their practice squad. Then you add to that, they've got a kicker and a punter who, you know, they're not filling any meaningful needs or in, in terms of future growth or whatever. And 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 they've got Andre. Well, I know we've already gone into that. Uh, you know. Yeah, they, they just don't have young talent that you're expecting to grow into some larger uh, spot here. You know, Blake Gallagher, maybe could be something. Benjamin Victor, maybe. It's just, it's, it's a very limited group. Ely, I guess, is the big developmental hope on the entire group. Yeah, and, you know, uh, just to kind of add to the earlier point, I, I don't think that there was anybody else on the squad that was let go that I'm, you know, disappointed that isn't on the practice squad in exchange for some of these veterans. Which I think also just speaks to the depth of the NFL, the lack of like the lack of scouting. I think some of it is the lack of like a training camp and the ability of some of these players from last year to get that full year of development. I think we've heard about this whole concept of COVID kind of not just in football affecting the ability of growth and progression because the whole year was kind of taken away from in person, whatever. I think we're seeing the effects of that. Yeah. I, I agree. Let's talk about the second loss here. Uh, safety Nigel Warrior claimed by Seattle. That's the one I think a lot of people are really upset about because they they look at Christian Welch on this roster. And you and I talked about it on the roster, uh, the 53-man roster uh, episode, is that we could have seen Welch go into the practice squad, being a guy who, who gets elevated twice there. We understand the need. They, they have the need for a special teams, core special teams play. But then that Warrior could have taken that spot and injuries could have, you know, handled the natural selection process to get down to 53 when you had to elevate Welch. And it didn't even need to be an elevation. It could have been a full 53 spot. If the concern was that Welsh didn't want to come back to play on the practice squad, so we had to put him on the 53, tell him we're going to waive you, but you're going to be on the 53 by 4 o'clock tomorrow when we IR Rashad Bateman and Miles Boykin. Um, I think that's the part that what frustrates me the most is that he, and we talked about this on our last podcast, you know, Christian Welsh comes from the group of the least athletic or the least kind of unique from a body talent oh, yeah. athleticism Size standpoint. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty frustrated by it in it, in it, not only in addition to that, I think that the Ravens look, Nigel warrior could not have played a better game in Washington than the game that he played and the Ravens still cut him. If that's the case, I would much rather they have not played him in that game and said, Hey, we're going to take the chance. We know what he is. We know where he's what, what he's capable of. We're not going to let another 45 snaps of 45 quality snaps go on the tape for somebody to take a look at him and say, hey, this is the guy that we want. I think that's the thing that frustrated me. It's like if you want to sneak guys through, don't play that. Like same with McCrary. I mean, I, I, with Dobbins injury, I think it changed a little bit. And I don't think the Ravens really had another back. That's why Ben Mason was out there running the ball um, mm-hmm. in, in the Washington game. But to me, it's just peculiar roster management for for cuts that you knew were coming for guys that you i'm sure they have a sense of who is interested in whom you know around the league right well i i i don't disagree with that i think they might already put too much on tape from the carolina game but 
he was he was certainly I think I, I don't know how many claims there were for him because Seattle would have been pretty late in the process. Right. I, yeah. I that, w- that would have been like sixth or seventh, I think, to the end. Sixth oh. or seventh to the end. If it's record, I don't know if they go by playoffs. Is it playoffs? They go by playoffs, so they would have yeah. to make the the like the divisional round. Yeah. To be, no. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's see. We've got Ben Mason, of course. It's a it's a curious case to say the least, and one that uh, obviously is a little frustrating. Why don't you go tell the story from the top on this one? I'll chime in. Yeah, I mean the 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 you know frustration is that the Ravens used that their last pick of the draft in the which was in the fifth round on Ben Mason, and so you know at the time we did not know that Patrick Ricard had had surgery. I think a lot of people were already upset with it in that moment before they knew that fact. I think right. it was later revealed that Ricard you know had surgery. People lightened up on it a little bit, um, and then when he was cut here, the fury just kind of rained down around the idea that we would draft a guy fifth that also came from Michigan, which we don't seem to have a great track record with, um, but John Harbaugh's brother coaches at. And so you mm-hmm. kind of mix all of these emotions up together in addition to needing a tackle um, or needing a developmental tackle or, or two or offensive line developmental or pieces. defensive linemen. Yeah. Um, other opportunities that seem like we didn't have an established player like Patrick Ricard already in the fold. Um, I think leads to all the the uh, people being upset to start with. And then on top of that, when Ben Mason leaves, it's not that as though he is claimed and added to an active roster, but leaves and goes and signs on another practice squad. And, and that I think seems to be the extra salt in the wound because he could have stayed here on our practice squad and then forced another team to actually sign him onto their active. And he chose intentionally not to do that. And I could see how Ravens fans would would have some ire towards Ben Mason because of that. Yeah, it, se- it seemed like Harbaugh's comment was kind of salty with regard to it too. I'll I'll let you listen to it because I've only seen it written out on paper. But uh, you know, it, it was a little little strange. I, I was always told in my actuarial career, a good actuary can make the argument either way. So I'm going to make I'm going to make the argument either way. The reason you draft Ben Mason in the fifth round with your last pick is you want an insurance policy for Patrick Ricard. If that was the case, and this insurance policy, in fact, did not pay off, I think we honestly do not know that yet because Patrick Card hasn't been under a lot of live fire this year to really determine if that hip will hold up. But he had surgery on it and and appears to be okay now, certainly looks slimmer and and more uh, physically in shape. But the, the, the point I'm making here is if you wanted it only for the insurance value, okay, you paid that. It was either large or small, depending on on how you how you want to value that fifth round pick. I value comp picks. I value fifth round picks. I would tend to put a higher value on it, but it was a shitty draft year, so I can understand how people how people take that side of it as well and say it wasn't that important a pick. But then I ask you to do the other thing: is would you rather have not Ben Mason? <laughs> this is the other side of the argument, or, or how about the other players we lost out on? And and you know, it's foresight. It's uh, Kiaris Tonga of BYU. It's, it's players like that. You really want to go another player that we got anyway is Ardarius Washington. We could have, we could have drafted Ardarius Washington with that pick, damn it. And, and, and we probably still could have gotten Ben Mason as a UDFA. Why do I think that? Well, no one else claimed him off the roster to put him on the roster. 
the only t- t- team that picked him up was it was only someone offering up a practice squad spot, which was the Patriots. Uh, it, it it makes sense that he still would have made it through. Now, there's all kinds of people saying, oh, no, Bill Belichick was going to draft you, but that's why the Ravens had to do it in the fifth round. I think that's complete crap. I think people do not really know what Bill Belichick was thinking. In any case, he's not going to let you know what he's thinking. Uh, and, uh, and, and the, the Ravens, frankly, is, it's not a huge loss, but a fifth round pick, not well spent. And, and as soon as he was caught, it was not well spent. Didn't matter that this other stuff happened where he got claimed by another team that makes it worse maybe, but it was already wasted once he was exposed. Yeah. And it's, you know, trade back with a pick, take another guy with a pick, yeah. you know, I think the, the the realizing on the cake of where it justifies people being upset is that your current fullback was an undrafted free agent that didn't play fullback. Right. Like you draft, you, you signed a guy that wasn't, you didn't even sign to play fullback. And now he is a pro bowl fullback. What does that tell you about where you should be valuing where you're drafting? How hard fullback? it is to find a right. fullback. And, and all the teams that do use a fullback occasionally in goal line, they always go to the same type of player. They go to some defensive end or defensive lineman or linebacker to play that spot. I mean, it, there's, it's like turning people into knuckleball pitchers. It's just not that difficult. You know, everybody basically who pitches has tried to throw the knuckleball at some point. It doesn't put a lot of stress on your arm. They, they you know, they fooling around with it. A lot of outfielders can throw a good knuckleball. But what? Why the hell is, does everybody think it's so hard to find a fullback all of a sudden that you have to draft a guy with no receiving skills, none at all, to, to, come, to come in and play fullback for the Baltimore Ravens who already have a Pro Bowl fullback? Yeah, I, I, it, it's hard for me to understand what happened there. And I think that the Michigan tie-in makes it look extra messy, um, yeah. you know, I, I, especially on the heels of the Ravens trading Breedson um, to the Giants basically, basically for nothing. Um, you know, they moved up, they moved up a little bit, but in in the scheme of things, they, nothing. Um, so that's two guys that they drafted from Michigan in the fourth and the fifth round that were basically jettisoned away. Um, and so I think, you know, it just draws in, uh, I'm not saying there's anything there. I'm just saying that it smells. <laughs> yes, I, I I don't like it either. And and unfortunately, last year they had a, they had a chance to draft the right Michigan player. They didn't do it. And and, and I so I will not. His name shall never be mentioned on this show again until I decide to. But uh, but anyway, that's that. Let's talk about other surprises now. Um, one surprise to me, a guy who I thought played pretty well in the preseason, I thought the Ravens could use additional depth here, is Jovan Swan. It did not get ag- added to the practice squad. I hope it's still a possibility. I've been looking, and I have not seen him added to anyone else's practice squad, but I can do a very quick search for his name, I just realized, in this folder, just in case he was added later. Nope, he has not been added by anybody as of this moment. So he's a guy. I mean, I, I would like to have another defensive tackle. I think it would make sense uh, for the Ravens to have that player. And what do you think? Yeah, I, you know, I, I can't understand why Verity and Townsend are on the yep. practice squad and Swan is not. Like, even even if you don't, even if you're Eric Tacosta and you don't like Swan, even if Swan said, like, really nasty things to your family, right? Like, there's <laughs> no, there is absolutely zero value in keeping Townsend on the practice squad. Zero value. So, yeah. li- fill, filling him with literally anybody else makes more sense to me. And so, uh, you can pick a name that you say, you tell me, I feel like this has a little bit of value. I'd say, let's give him a practice squad spot. Even if they were all full and, and Verity and Townsend were still there. Obviously, Verity doesn't have trade value. I think, you know, I could see a little bit holding on to him for a moment to see if you can try and work some kind of magic or whatever. But 
again, you know, if he's like a guy, he should be on the practice squad at this point. Yeah, I I, uh, I completely agree. So uh, he's a surprise number one. Surprise number two, Michael Schofield. Um, obviously, guys cut a couple of days ago. Uh, I think he probably should be the third tackle on this team, not the, even the fourth. And yet, somehow Andre Smith and Adrian Ely are on the practice squad, and he isn't now. I, but one side of me says. Maybe that just means he's being re-signed now because it seems like a fairly obvious thing. He's another player I could check to see if he was put if he's on anybody's roster now. Uh, he these are actually answer is no on that as well. So he has not been signed anywhere yet. It's still time for the Ravens to uh, to uh, make a move and and get him either on the on the fifty three or on the practice squad. Yeah, you know, I'd be fine if they did either, and I'd also be fine if they didn't. I don't think that I don't think that he's going to be any kind of. I don't think he's going to be that much better than Tyree Phillips if he's got to come in in a pinch at tackle. So from that perspective, I'm okay with it. But again, go back to the same argument. If he's willing to sign on the practice squad, I guess the only reason you wouldn't have him on the practice squad at this point is because he has he is a veteran. You have one more veteran spot, I believe. Well, but you could probably figure out what who would be the one veteran you could get rid of if you signed a veteran <laughs> offensive tackle. <laughs> I, think, I think I can remedy that situation. Fair, fair enough. You know, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to, to make an argument for the other side here. I, like I said, I, I could go either way on him. I know Gabe was in particular high on Schofield. Um, I know there's some other guys out there that cover the Ravens, like Cole Jackson, that's not as high on Schofield. So I, you know, I could I could go either way, but I am a little surprised that he hasn't done anything. It makes me think he also might be just deciding to hang it up and retire um, could because be. you know Jordan Richards is back, for example. So the guys, the the other guy they cut early um, had a chance to kind of look around his back. You know, I would assume that with Schofield, they know really early on whether or not he wanted to come back, and and I've already done it. Well, so Richards. They let him go a week ago, week early, because because he was from the eighty five to eighty cuts, or it might have even been from the ninety to eighty five cuts. He was he was earlier in the process. Schofield was one day early. Oh, it was just one day. Okay, yeah, I so, thought it was earlier so, than that. Yeah, and he, and in this last game against Washington, he played a ton. He played you know the most snaps of any offensive player other than Huntley, I believe. So it's it's surprising to me that he's not uh, you know uh, there, and uh, and obviously he's not. So, uh, we'll we'll see if if he comes back or if he's a guy. He did. I, we, you were you were on the defense show, not the offense show this week, right? For Washington? that's right. Yeah. Okay. So Schofield lost seven pressures in the game, but they were of a type that that I'm generally fairly lenient on. Not in my scoring because it hits him hard, and he ended up with a D plus grade for the game. But but in terms of how I view them, he gave up a lot of these mirroring pressures where he gave up ground in the pocket, and most of them were between two and a half and three seconds, which means that a good mobile quarterback can usually run his way right out of those. And Jackson had shown a lot of that. In fact, my big difference from PFF, which is the difference in two and a half to three seconds standard in total pressures assigned to Stanley the last couple of years has been, I have a lot more because he gives up a lot between two and a half and three seconds. And Lamar's very adept at getting out of those. So I thought Schofield is, is kind of almost situationally or schematically useful in terms of the types of pressures he's allowed from seeing that. All right. Missing vet names. Um, so they have five. They have five guys plus Bynes who might be veterans there. Schofield was the one. This I've already made this point. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of going through my outline and realizing that I've covered this point before. Uh, IR maneuvers. I think we mentioned Bateman and Boykin to IR already. Tomlinson has been resigned. McPhee has not. I think you hit on that right at the beginning of the show, right? 
Yeah, I, I would I just make one real quick point here, which is that I am pretty surprised that the Ravens did not try and either claim or now sign off the practice squad. Gandy Golden from the, the Washington football team. He seems like the prototypical X. He looked very good, I thought, in the Washington for Washington in that game. And he was a fourth round pick or fifth round pick, fourth or fifth round pick just a year ago. He's a small school guy. Maybe the Ravens didn't like him, but he went up and high pointed a ball right in front of Marcus Peters on a terrible throw on the first play of the game. Mm -hmm. for Washington, um, he's that big physical type. And, and if you're going to IR Miles Boykin, why not take the chance, right? And then, and then if you and if you don't like Andy Golden, when you want to bring Boykin back, wave him off the roster. You're already short wide receivers. I mean, maybe the Ravens are comfortable in terms of the the, the wide receivers they have. They'd rather roll with Wallace instead of Gandy Golden. Either way, though, I, I, I he's a guy that I'd be looking at bringing onto the active roster immediately, especially when you've got two wide receivers that you the two X wide receivers that you just stuck right onto the IR. Right. Now, G Gandy Gold is a year two player as opposed to Victor, uh, Benjamin Victor being a year one player or Jalen Moore being a year one player. So if you're if you're looking for upside, I think you might go to Benjamin Victor. But they have a lot of similarities in terms of their height and size and, and whatnot, the ability to high point a football uh, that I agree. I mean, he's he's an interesting uh, prospect from that regard. And it wouldn't it wouldn't have shocked me if the Ravens had decided, hey, get that guy on my practice squad, try and sign him, sell him on the opportunity there is in Baltimore uh, and, and then see, Hey, if he gets taken, he gets taken, but at least you have an, another possible X receiver sub for either the first few weeks of the season or, or longer if additional injuries either persist or accrue. Well, and if Denver does the kind of, you know, and I don't know that they're going to do this, but if Denver does the kind of thing where at some point, after two or three weeks, they wave McCrary because they think that they can slip him through and they get him to their practice squad. The Ravens could do the same kind of thing with Gandy Golden. It, there's, there's really, I mean, there's three weeks of salary cap risk there, which is, which is nothing right. Um, in the, in the larger scheme of things for a guy that at least had some kind of hype coming out. I, Gandy Golden wasn't the only guy. There was a lot of wide receiver talent that ended up hitting the waiver wire um, and ended up either on practice squads or kind of moving around teams, et cetera. Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of surprised with all the Ravens depth issues and et cetera, that, that there wasn't another guy that they looked at trying to bring in. Yeah, that's right. The 20 draft was a pretty good draft for wide receivers, wasn't it, in general, from top to bottom? Fogum from uh, Philadelphia is the other name that kind of rang a bell to me. He had more receiving yards last year than Miles Boykin has had in his two years of his career. Um, <laughs> now, he'd be a thir third-year player because he played for Detroit before he played for Philadelphia but still showing a lot more from a receiver perspective than, you know, we've ever seen from Boykin. I just want to point out, if you want to listen back to our roster show, that the one difference we had was uh, Jordan had miles on the, on the roster and I did not. So, uh, sorry, no, other way around. I, I, right. I, I did, not, did not. Yeah. Miles Boykin is, is my whipping boy at, at the moment. Now that justice Hill has his spot. Good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I guess there's, there's, one thing that I would say about this is I really do not expect, I know the roster is going to have changes, but I do not expect this practice squad to look the same in a few weeks. I think DaCosta is kind of always in acquisition of talent mode through a season. So when he sees somebody on, on somebody else's, uh, you know, hits the street maybe from somebody else's practice squad or, or they bring in some guys for workout that they liked in 2020, um, you know, they may, they may sign them. 
Yeah, I, 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 I mean, we've already talked about how there are a lot of vets. I mean, there are three names right off the board that we would write off. There are a couple of spots still available on this practice squad. I would be, I'd also be surprised. And, you know, you've talked about this, the attrition in the NFL is a thing that happens. Some of these guys, you know, by week four are going to be on the active roster just because, you know, that's how things go. I mean, I guess it's possible that the timing of Boykin, um, you know, and Bateman coming back would prevent some of that turnover. But ultimately, I think that, I think we're going to see some of those guys, you know, in Ravens jerseys. Right. Jordan, always a pleasure to have you on this show. Love talking football with you. And at least roster construction topics in particular just generate good discussion. This has been the most interesting year for this that I can ever remember. These these two, you know, who's going to get cut? You know, the roster, 53-man roster and this practice squad thing, about as interesting a discussion as you can have about football and, and uh, franchise building. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I don't – and, you know – don't quote me on this because I haven't looked it up, but I can't remember a year where the Ravens had two guys that were claimed in the cutdown process from the 53. You know, I, my, my mantra as we were heading into that was very much like, it's a, we might lose one guy. We might lose somebody that we cut, but you know, the way it goes in the NFL, everybody's trying to make space. People don't have the room to claim and add people. They're going to get through. They're going to get through. And in this, in this case, they had two guys that didn't. Right. That's a good point. There were two of the two of the few young players that they really had, and then they Ben Mason as well signed somewhere else. So, yeah, slap in the head here. Okay, Jordan, where can people find your work? Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at Raven Sit Room, and then uh, my co-host Gabe Ferguson and I have uh, podcast the Situation Room. And you can find it at FilmStudyBaltimore.com. All right, fantastic. Thanks for coming on again, Jordan. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. <laughs>